Welcome back, guys, to the second edition of Wrestling Recommendations. I am your host, Eddie Shepard, along with... The tucked in tightly in his bed, Travis Lasseter. Ooh, ooh, where's wifey at? <laughs> uh, she's in the other room, watching Gilmore Girls. Ooh, she, she should be. I, I'm pretty sure that's better than AEW right now, so it doesn't matter. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, my wifey is in bed asleep. And my son is all NyQuilled up, and he's all, like, sleepwalking. <laughs> <laughs> well, my, my wife, Lindsay, is uh, sick as well, so she has taken some nighttime medicine, so she'll probably be passed out on the, the couch. Or, I don't know, maybe she's OD'd on drugs. I don't know. <laughs> it's that weather it's that weather change. At least she didn't do what British Bulldog <laughs> did to uh, Diana. So there's that. <laughs> I had we'll a joke, but day. I'm not going to tell it. We'll get to that one I'm not going to tell it. What we're here to talk about tonight, though. We're going to watch that footage? No. We're going to watch the footage of Bulldog and Diana? No. Okay. I didn't know that that existed. Uh, We're here tonight because the Willow Names chose this match to be our next match. It's going to be Sting versus Cactus Jack in a Falls Count Anywhere on the Golf Coast match. Uh, Uh, Travis. Our friend friend Fat Fuck Scott seems to be really excited about this match. Scott, He posted about it. Scott was talking about, he messaged me. He's like, man, he's like, I really love that match. He's like, you don't have to make a big deal about it on the podcast, but I really love that match. So I was like, you know what? We're going to make a big deal about it. So Scott, this it's is going to be one of your favorites. Uh, Travis, first time you watched this match. Oh, man. And um, actually, probably the first time I watched this match was on a Mick Foley DVD, and I cannot remember the name of it. But I know it had to be, you know, after they bought the tape library, because um, he talked about this as one of his all-time favorite matches he has had. It was, like, right up there um, with one of the best things he's done uh, with mind games. And that was, but that was, of course, before Randy Orton uh, matching at Backlash 03, which I think is on our wheel of names as well. Backlash um, 04. But, oh, oh, 04, sorry, my bad. Um, but, yeah, that was one of the first times, like, because – I, I know I talked about on the last pod, my, uh, uh, you know, VHS collection. Well, Beach Blast 92 is a hard fucking tape to come by because no one was buying WCW tapes in 92, 93. But, um, but yeah, that was the first time I seen it was on a, on a Mankind or Mick Foley DVD. Yeah. I think the first time I watched this, I think we talked about it last episode, uh, was the best of Bash at the Beach. It was on that tape. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, I think, that's when they were pumping out releases through WCW. They're doing like the best of um, Halloween Havoc, best of, I believe, Great American Bash, best of Starcade. That's the, the first time I ever saw the uh, dog collar match between Greg Valentine and Roddy Piper was on that tape. So uh, pretty interesting that, you know, I brought to light some of the matches and brought to light this match. Uh, before we kind of get rolling into to some of this information, thoughts on the first episode? Got a lot of uh, positive feedback. Um, I actually messaged you today and I said it's probably one of the favorite things I feel like we've done because I, I, I listened to it on iTunes. I didn't listen to it on Spotify, so it didn't drop till mon- Monday, maybe, on iTunes. 
Um, but yeah, like I just, I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed listening to our thoughts on the match and your, uh, your twin from 1997 in the front <laughs> row down there. Um, but yeah, I got a lot of positive feedback that people just, we had a good flow going. I mean, we do enough podcasts together. I feel like that, um, we have kind of our, our, our thing down, but just, uh, listen, us talk about good wrestling for change is, uh, it's kind of refreshing to my ears because most of the time it's us talking about how shitty 95 is or how much we hate Jinder Mahal. So, um, not, we didn't have a really a whole lot of bad things to say on the last pod. No, I think the, uh, the ending of that match was a little, um, debatable. Like they could have went a different route with it, but other than that, great fucking match. Go back and listen guys, Bret Hart versus the undertaker from one night only, uh, from, uh, Birmingham, England in 1997. And now guys, we're going to roll into this episode talking about Steve. Yeah, uh, good old Steve Borden, Mr. Uh, Jeff Hall from the Wrestling Pure's favorite wrestler. Um, yes. he, he cares a lot about Sting. Steve Borden, he began wrestling under the name Flash, teaming with Jim Justice Hellwig as two members of Power Team USA and all California championship wrestling in 1985. They would later move to continental wrestling and become known as the freedom fighters. J- Travis, you want to tell everyone who uh, Jim Helwig is or was? Cause he's uh, uh, he, he becomes <laughs> part of uh, an illustrious team called the blade runners, which uh, look like, looks like the uh, road warriors. You buy them wish. And he looks like he just, busted a, a capsule of black food color in his mouth the entire time which comes into play later when he becomes the ultimate warrior and uses the black ooze down his face from pop shango um but before that he was uh the lovely dingo warrior which we're about to get a mattel elite from that the legends yeah, line. Right. they're gonna have the the dingo warrior and then you can of course take that head off put your other one on uh Mr. Mr. Helwig, who I refuse to call Warrior because uh, he changed his name <laughs> to that, wrote a shitty comic book. Um, he also tends to have a problem with uh, same-sex marriage and things yeah. of that nature. Um, his his words, not my words. Just look those YouTube videos up. Uh, his, his words, not my words. Queering doesn't make the world work is what he was famously quoted saying. Yeah, he um became a pretty big bigot in... Uh, the mid 2000s and you know with, what happens uh, YouTube after you videos a to back that up you know what happens after you become a bigot you get, you get an award named after you become you. a <laughs> you become a wwe hall of famer uh which everyone hated the warrior like even no even after he died no one really talks about how good of a guy he was they're just like oh we just feel sorry for him and uh he still sucked thanks <laughs> that's pretty much it like i mean i mean no one really ever it's like last match was 2002, which I know we're talking about Sting here, but you got to think like he, he took huge breaks. 98, he sucked. I really want to watch. I'm going to put Hogan and uh, Warrior from Halloween Havoc 98 Please on don't. our wheel just as a gag. <laughs> we're going to have that uh, April Fool's Day. <laughs> we just pull pull that one out one day. But uh, he, the, he's not good. Sting's definitely the better of the two. It's fine. They'll forget. <laughs> it's fine. But, uh, but yeah, definitely the better of the two. I would consider Sting. I don't care what Jeff says. Yeah, the duo surfaced in the UWF, which was ran by Bill Watts, where they were known as the Blade Runners, as you said. Sting or Borden uh, would change his name from Flash to Sting, while Hellwig became known as Rock. 
Helwig would leave the promotion in mid-86, leaving Sting without a partner. Sting would go on to win the UWF Tag Team Championships twice with Eddie Gilbert. Uh, that was in 1986. And for the Hot third and stuff. last time... Uh, exactly. Third and last time with Rick Steiner in 87. Uh, fun note, it wasn't Eddie Gilbert with Missy Hyatt? Yes, he was. Oh, there you go. And she... she... Brandon paid her to say good things about his penis, so we know she's lying. Yeah, she, she's Missy Hyatt do genitals. anything for a. She, she'll do a lot of things for a dollar. Yeah, you're right. Jim Jim Crockett would go on to buy the UWF from Watson '87. He would then go on to have a historic match with Ric Flair at Clash of the Champions one in March of '88, and he would pretty much become the staple of the NWA. Uh, if you could even say uh, the franchise, if you will. Uh, he would go before on to suffer Shane Douglas. before uh, Sting would suffer a major in- knee injury, but would finally defeat Ric Flair for the NWA title for the very first time, June seventh, nineteen ninety, at the Great American Bash. Sting's first World Championship reign ended January eleventh, ninety one, when Ric Flair defeated him. In the same month, WCW uh, seceded from the NWA, so we saw a lot of things happen well, uh, in the ninety one. Don't mean to interrupt you here, but you uh, forgot a big part of Sting's career in 1990. Oh, yeah. I didn't mention RoboCop on purpose. Fucking RoboCop. <laughs> like, yeah. What the fuck, man? At Capital Combat. Robocop. Yeah. Uh, this is supposed to be for good shit, Travis, not bad shit. And that's pretty bad. <laughs> <laughs> those those bars were made of real steel. Don't lie. Anyway, Don't lie I'm not people. talking about Kevin Nash either. I'm not talking about Kevin Nash. Kevin Clash. <laughs> Fucking Fuck. In August 91, Sting defeated Steve Austin to win a tournament for the vacated WCW United States Championship. He would hold the title for 86 days before losing it to Rick Root at Clash of the Champions 17. Uh, in 92, Sting would feud with the Dangerous Alliance and Lex Luger. It was during this feud that Sting won the WCW Championship, defeating Luger on February 29, 1992 at Super Brawl 2. The feud ended when Sting formed Sting Squadron, consisting of allies Ricky Steamboat, Dustin Rhodes, Barry Windham, and uh, Nikita Koloff uh, to defeat the Dangerous Alliance, which was Rick Rude, Steve Austin, Arn Anderson, Larry Zbysko, and beautiful Bobby Eaton uh, in a War Games match at Wrestle War in May of 92. Uh, that match Arguably is actually, the best War Games. Yep, that match is on our list of uh, matches for this podcast. Pretty good one. Pretty good one. Uh, except for Bobby Eaton take, trying to put a fucking turnbuckle uh, hook back on. It's kind of fucking stupid when you think about it. But <laughs> the, the, all the men that's in that match, uh, great, great fucking match. Uh, and then pretty much leading up to this point, Sting would defend the WCW title uh, on April 12th, 1992 against Big Van Vader. During that match, Vader splashed Sting, cracking three ribs of uh, Sting's and rupturing his spleen, which they talk about in this match. Yeah. Vader, Vader, one of his best uh, uh, adversaries ever. Yeah, we'll talk about that after this match. Cactus Jack, of course, the other side of the table is Cactus Jack. Mick Foley trained with Dominic Danucci's wrestling school and debuted in 1983. Foley and several several other students also took part in squash matches as jobbers for WWF TV tapings, uh, uh, primetime wrestling, and superstars of wrestling, where he wrestled as Jack Foley or Nick Foley. Uh, In one of these matches, he faced the British Bulldogs, during which the Dynamite Kid clotheslined him and broke his jaw. Ouch. Fucking Dynamite Kid's a dickhead. 
dude, you see like they've shown clips of it. It's it's a pretty brutal fucking clothesline. It's straight right in his jaw. It's bad. <laughs> he it's he intentionally did that to him. Like I don't care what anybody says. Uh, in 1988, he would begin to uh, receive offers from the UWF uh, and Continental, where he began working as Cactus Jack. In November of 88, he would join World Class Championship Wrestling as Cactus Jack Manson, which I get it because he looks like Charles Manson. Yeah, get it. Uh, he would have he would have a brief stint with WCW, uh, mostly teaming with jobbers. When the jobber would lose the match for the team, Cactus would attack his partner throw them out of the ring and deliver his ring apron flying elbow drop onto the concrete floor. Lead bookers, Ric Flair, Kevin Sullivan, and other executives were impressed with this to the point that they offered him a contract. Uh, Mick Foley talked about it in like great detail that Kevin Sullivan's like, I don't care what happens during the match. As long as at the end you drop that elbow. And uh, Arn also said he was like very uh, famously quoted saying that you won't last to be like what, 30 or 40 or something like that in the wrestling business yeah. uh, because of yeah. taking bumps like this. Uh, one nice. of his most notable matches at that point, he would go on to take on Bill Mascaris at Clash of the Champions 10. Uh, it was during this period that Foley was involved in a car accident that resulted in the loss of his two front teeth. I did not know that. I had no idea that's how he actually lost his teeth was a car crash. Yep, I read it. I read it in his book. It's been a long time ago, but I do remember reading that because everybody thought it was something in wrestling, but it was actually a car accident. And he has the fake teeth, but he doesn't like wearing them. Yeah, it feel I, funny. If you go back and watch the match with Mil Mascaris, when he takes that bump, it looks like he spits his teeth out. It, it, that's what I. That's mm. where I always thought it was from because he fucking takes a flat back bump on concrete uh, off the apron. It's it's pretty sick to watch. Um, but following. Oh, yeah. Following that short stint with WCW, uh, he would sign with Herb Abrams Universal Wrestling Federation, aka Tony Khan. <laughs> <laughs> just, just with better, just with better footwear. That's what uh, Herb Abrams had. Less Vaseline. I get it. I get it. Uh, in 1991, after a brief stint of working with Global Wrestling Federation, he would return to WCW full-time. On September 5th, 1991, Cactus Jack debuted as a heel and began uh, attacking Sting. After feuds with Van Hammer and Abdullah the Butcher, he would go on to have this match with Sting. I, Heavy I said, metal Van Hammer, you son of yeah, a bitch. Get it right. I, I told Travis before this podcast even started tonight that this is probably going to be the only time we ever mentioned Van Hammer on this podcast. So he better fucking appreciate it. I'm going to mention him every time now. Oh, God. Shout, I'm going to be like, shout out my buddy Van Hammer, who uh, apparently hit, apparently got a DUI and something in Florida, and I think he might have killed a man. What was so, his very, what, what, what was his MIA name? It was Private Stash, but then... He was so upset because he wasn't like a major or corporal or something. He was the lowest member of the total pole, so they changed it to major stash, which doesn't work as good with the weed gimmick. So no. you fucked your own gimmick up, you piece of shit. Go sell some real estate in Florida, you douchebag. <laughs> or get a DUI while you do it. Two for. Yep. In 1992, WCW increased their pay-per-views from six in 1991 to seven in 1992. Wrestle War? Super Brawl 1, Great American Bash, Halloween Havoc, Starcade, and of course uh, their New Japan special that they did uh, as like the joint show, which would go on to pretty much be Wrestle Kingdom. The newest Starcade Japan or something. 
they call it like a super show is what they called it. It's like a New Japan WCW super show. The newest pay-per-view would go on to be called Beach Blast. This show was one of the first major events held after Bill Watts was put in charge of WCW and would be the first show where several of Bill Watts' new rules would be enforced. Most notably, mm. there's there's no fucking mats around the ring, and you oh, see no. it in this match. Yeah, he gets his... Yeah, this is uh, pretty evident when uh, Cactus Jack starts hurling his body at concrete and uh, the dreaded no top rope, no over the top rope maneuvers. And then you couldn't do top rope moves and bullshit like that. Like, like Bill Watts stepped back 10 years with some of his rules. The one thing I like during the Watts administration is I like the ramp. I enjoy the oh, ramp. I, I love the ramp. I think it just gives adds another element to the show and another place for them to wrestle and they're, they're elevated up. Looks really cool. Well, and one of my favorite spots of this match uh, is because of that ramp. Um, how they started out where he oh, yes. Irish strips him in. Yeah. It's great. Oh, yeah. Bill Watts came out during the open of this pay-per-view saying that both men agreed to the terms of this match. However, Watts also came out in a WCW t-shirt, sweatpants, and a fanny pack. So there's that. Yeah, I was about, I was about <laughs> to say that sweet-ass fanny pack. And they were all black, so it just like matched. I like, think his shirt was come tucked on, in. Bill. To his sweatpants. It was. It is. <laughs> it is. If you're gonna wear sweatpants, you gotta be professional. <laughs> and then like he puts over the light heavyweight title. And like he always loved the junior heavyweights and he's pretty much wanted to suck Danny Hodges D. That's what it sounded like. <laughs> this show would draw five thousand fans, but only thirty five hundred would pay. And this show was taking place in Mobile, Alabama. Weirdest fucking place to have a pay-per-view which wcw did it a lot they had a lot yes. of shows in mobile alabama the lashes even the live gate was only twenty eight thousand dollars yeah solid bill watt territory money guys how much was Not the good. merch check i mean how much did that merch check six dollars does it didn't have any merch what, anybody wanted what to buy merch check <laughs> <laughs> the, the most notable thing about this show, if you notice too, is of course the entrance set. It looks cool for the time period. Um, yep. Jim Ross and Jesse Ventura wearing their beach wear is uh, fucking hilarious. Jim Ross wearing a, a beach shirt is great. With the one button too much uh, buttoned up, so it's like super fucking professional yet casual. My favorite his, part. He didn't want his taco meat hanging out, man. I get it. <laughs> My favorite thing is uh, blonde-haired Tony Schiavone, who looks like he's been doing cocaine for two years. Super skinny, standing next to Kendall, uh, Eric Bischoff, like as they keep, yeah, throwing back and forth to him, like Jesus. It is very telling that if you just kind of look at the announcers and everybody involved, that everybody in like five years, six years from this, about six years, seven years. It's, they're all at a weird place. Like Ross is the head commentator for WWF. Tony's pretty much the lead guy, one of the lead guys on uh, WCW. Eric Bischoff is running the whole fucking show, and Jesse Ventura is the fucking governor of Minnesota. Minnesota. <laughs> like, <laughs> and Bill, Watt, Bill Watts is being racist in uh, Louisiana somewhere or Oklahoma at this point. Yeah, that, that so, checks out as well. Yeah. My favorite other – like I watched – I watched some of this pay-per-view and like Jesse Ventura gets his own open. Like he gets like the sit in the lounge chair and then all the girls walk him to the commentary desk. Like Jesse Ventura is a big deal, but like no one's wanted to blow Jesse Ventura since Nam. 
which he always brags about. He was in Nam. Uh, he's a Navy SEAL. Hey, he was uh, in fucking Predator, and he was a sexual Tyrannosaurus. <laughs> he got time to bleed, man. He got time to bleed. This show, of course, is going to be taking place June 20th, 1992. He got time to bleed. And this is the f- first of two beach blasts they ever do. They do beach, beach blasts this year, next year, and then it turns to Bash at the Beach when Hogan shows up. So, uh, Brother. Durr. Uh, before we get rolling on this one, guys, we're actually going to cut to our ads, and we will be right back with you. Pew, pew. We believe the mat is sacred. Honor is real. And everything is discussed under pure rules. My name is Ryan, one half of the Wrestling Purist podcast. We review all things wrestling and don't pull any punches. We do an episode every Sunday where we go back and watch a pre-2020s pay-per-view and then talk about it in the segment we call the Retro Review. I also do an episode every Friday morning in our win series, which just stands for Weekend News. It gives me an opportunity to freely shoot on 10 news topics from the past week. I also do pay-per-view predictions and reactions to large breaking news stories like Tony Khan being the new owner of Ring of Honor Wrestling. You can find us on all major podcast streaming platforms. Check out our Twitter page at the WP underscore pod. That's T-H-E-W-P underscore P-O-D for all updates. Our pinned tweet has other links as well, like our merch store and how to support our show directly. Remember, whether you agree with us or not, we're right, because we are the Wrestling Purists. Welcome back, guys. So right now, pull up your Peacock app if you want to watch along with us. It is going to be Season 1, Episode 1 of Beach Blast 1992. Uh, we're going to start at the 51-minute, 37-second mark. Uh, you're going to see Jesse Ventura and good old JR has our surprise. With this Rolex on. <laughs> Salsa. 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 <laughs> All right, guys, are you ready, Travis? Oh, I am ready, sir. Let's do this. All righty. We're going to say three, two, one, play, and we're going to start this bad boy. Three, two, one, play. All that. That's right. Pitfalls carrying anywhere on the Gulf Coast by God. <laughs> This is where we're where this is the only time we're gonna see Van Hammer on this Van podcast. <laughs> I want to add this just for uh for reference and when you see Abdullah Abby the Butcher right there and it's ah uh, <laughs> it's the same Three. damn mulleted mullet uh, fucking Patrick's had for uh ten years. Jesse and Jr. both say this is Cactus Jack's kind of match. This is very interesting to kind of bring this up, that this is um, Sting's the WCW champion at this point. However, the, they never specify that the title is on the line during this match, do they? Nope, they never mentioned that at all, which I thought was very weird. Yeah, I thought it was, and not only that, but we're only 50 minutes into an almost three-hour show, and this is where you're going to put Sting at. It's kind of a weird spot to be. Also, Jesse Ventura rocking the uh, scarf before 
everybody else thought it was cool. And look at that entrance. The entrance is pretty cool. I, I, I gotta give them that. I think it's fucking cool. They got beach blast carved in the sand. So cool. I um I, I do heard. hate that he did, uh Catch Jack doesn't have the Mr. Bang Bang music. Mr. Bang Bang. Yeah, he has like the dun, 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 dun. It's like the gloomiest music ever. It's snake skin when snake skin was cool. Bye-bye. Yeah, you can tell these you can tell this is Alabama. Yeah, you can. Look at uh Bill Alfonso is also the referee for this match as well. Yeah, Mr. Al, I hurt my wrist, pussy ass Bill Alfonso. Here there he is second. again. Him. There he is. He the mustache. I like, I like, you believe that he I was like a, he was little, a referee uh, for WWF and WCW. I know, and it's it's it with a, sh- a sh- short period of time because he shows up in our uh, um, WWF uh, in '95, and he's part of ECW because that's where we are on Wrestling Ruined. Oh bam, yeah, take it off, Sting. Bam, bam. Bam, bam. Uh, in, in true fashion, Travis, as we are recording, it is raining. <laughs> my uh, computer just told me rain is coming so <laughs> is, totally ready okay. for this the wcw title belt was there they start off fucking hot here man look at this he's gonna go for a hip toss uh, he, they toy they're going he's gonna you know hip toss him off yeah. the ramp fucking back some, some people hate that wcw title i actually really dug it yeah i liked it this is different mean, I, I think everyone just has they have their hearts set on the big gold so it's really hard is this the spot you're talking about right here travis Yep, coming up right here. I love that they use the ropes. I love Ooh. it. This is uh, very close to the same gear that Sting wore at Halloween Havoc. Uh, I want to say, is it 90? Here's he where took on Sid, or is it 91? Here's, here's where the asshole holds his wrist. You see that? Oh, my wrist. Idiot. Here we go. Oh, Ooh. Oh, almost, Bill Alfonso almost uh, fell off the ramp. Oh, that, uh, that is rough. Yeah, um, stick your splash all to the ropes there, dude. The uh, the the robe that Sting wears out is fucking amazing too. That gold robe. Oh, here's the first concrete bump. Oh God, good God Almighty! Fucking half. Also, look at young uh, Doug Dillinger back there. Yeah, uh, head of security. Him. He starts holding his knee. You can tell he's, he's he's fucked his knee up in this match. And they, they, even the commentary team mentions it that he's fucked it up. Look at that. one, two, two count. They've they've been there for literally uh, a minute, and he's already fucked his knee up. It's pretty. Yeah, good. he took a back body drop on the fucking apron. He's oh. taken uh, oh. just did a swinging neck breaker. Uh, I think that's mustard just, underneath Sting there. <laughs> he, he grabbed the back of his head too, like he had hit it, which they put over on commentary. There's the Bill Watts era, no uh, mats, as we were talking yep. about. He says, yeah. They, they also, the these ladies. Away. God, I'm killing the business. These ladies in the front row must have won those tickets to bingo or something because they are <laughs> old as hell. Oh, here we go. He's going to hit him with another move off the apron. Oh, oh. Goddamn sunset flip, dude. Holy shit. And he hit his leg on the barricade, too. Like, he ass first on that concrete. That's got to hurt. Look at the short yeah. shorts on the on the cameraman. God, well, fashion be, in '92. Quick nimble. Great. The other guy back there, I told him the cable. He wearing some cowboy boots. See those boots he's wearing? Some white boots. Those are some yeah, dusty boots. <laughs> Ethel's holding the Ethel's holding the uh, car. I see there. So doesn't come back on her. Get him! Get him, Stanger! Get him! Get him! 
<laughs> no, I know we're joking, but seriously, man, they, they are beating the piss out of each other, and, and it looks really believable. Like, I feel like Sting was always kind of the pretty boy, and, you know, this is kind of the year where it's kind of starting to change a little bit. He's he's feuding with Vader. He's feuding with Cactus. He's having a lot of stuff going on. There's those cowboy boots again. He's, he's getting fucking- the... Uh- God damn. He's getting yeah, he's getting the uh the vicious he's getting the big time heels he's overcoming, sort of like the Undertaker is on the WWF side. He's having to wrestle these guys, but Mick Foley is throwing himself into these guardrails. Yeah, I, I have my notes that, that that cactus is so giving to Sting in this match. He's about to take a fucking suplex on this concrete and it's gonna fucking hurt. It just can't feel good. You see Sting he had to see Sting like psych himself up before he did it. He was like, Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he did it. <laughs> yeah, they re- reiterate too in this match that they are no longer using those mats, which the old oh. excuse, oh God, the old excuse that I've always been told was it's due to the athletic commission, which is kind of interesting that uh, they kind of just nix that. Yeah, I mean, it's weird that they that that's an athletic commission rule. Like, wouldn't you want to protect people the most you can? <laughs> I don't understand that rule very well, but whatever, Bill Watts. I'm trying. I'm trying to I mean, add up now. How many? How many bumps has he taken on the concrete? Now he's taking what at least four. Oh, I would nice say it's line. four or five. No, it's five because he he just took the uh he threw him over the guardrail onto the concrete. There, so that was number five. I'm pretty sure. Oh man, because he did this. Lo- oh, headbutt. Okay. I love Cactus's gear too. It's fucking cool. Yes, that old timey. It's like the cactus is in snake skin and he's got the leopard print boots. It's oh, just, this is cool. like great cactus jack. Like this is what people should remember, not lost in Cleveland cactus jack. And, and you know what, man? I think I, I could argue that you could have put the title on him in that feud with Vader. I think you could have done it. I really think they should have. Everything they had going on with it, they, they should have they should have done that. Like he could he could have believably took it off of Steam. And then they had a feud because they haven't. This is like I said, one of Mick Foley's top five matches of his entire career. He is, cool. and it's not even like you said; it's a twelve-minute match. It's very quick, but very action-packed. The the cool thing about this too is a lot of this stuff is playing into those storylines. Like I was talking about, uh, Sting, uh, his ribs being broken from Vader. Cactus is working the ribs. Then he starts. Sting starts working over the the knee that Cactus hurt earlier in the match. Uh, there's there's a, a lot of method to the madness going on here, and he's smacking him in the face, and he's actually hyping Sting up, and he's hitting him too, like it's it's registering. That's why they're probably those uh God elbows there were a little stiff. Sting's <laughs> little got stiff a great ski. punch. Jesus Christ, looks great. I mean, I don't I don't know what Jeff's talking about. I think I think Sting's uh, having a decent match here. I yeah, mean, he is punching um, and kicking a lot, but oh God. Okay. I love this spot. Oh, it looks so, oh, looks so gross. It's actually pretty safe when you think about it, but it, it looks so effective. He's holding knee again. He's well, the like, thing of it is, man, is the thing of it is, man, is he did that that spot for years. He did it with Undertaker a bunch in '96. He did it with Vader. He's done it with everybody. He's limping like hell though from all these uh, concrete shots. Yeah, uh, Jesse Ventura puts over Cactus for saying that you know he for he puts him over for keeping it in the ring for what they were keeping it in the ring for, and, and working an actual wrestling match. Oh, that's the one thing about this match I would probably give it a little shit for is they bill it as a false count anywhere on the Gulf Coast, and they never leave the ringside area. 
they never go anywhere besides the ramp but i get it but to bill it is that is kind of kind of uh especially after they showed the van hammer match at the beginning of the before the match ever started man i think you you should have put the title on the line in this match it would have meant so much more i mean what would it what would have mattered sting wins anyway spoiler yeah, they, but i mean it just doesn't make any sense that it's a pay-per-view you, you you already have this match you know your draw right now is the u.s title with steamboat and um rude but still like oh man good chair shots they look effective but you can tell like you gotta he's think not too like fully blasting them with it he's pulling anyway. them a little bit well you gotta think this this is 92 you're not seeing a lot of chair shots in 92 on the big stages like you gotta think like this is probably one of the first times you're seeing a lot of chair shots oh, even man. in wcw oh man so oh, god god damn they, it they mean more oh oh Jared calls that a back uh, a belly to belly to back suplex. In reality, it's a back body drop. But god damn, man, uh, that's like what number six or seven that he's taking on concrete. Yes, that's that's number seven because kind of got to count him going over the rope there because he hits his knees. But uh, man, Jr. does a lot of screaming in this match. I didn't realize how much he yelled in this match until I watched the second time. But Jr. is in his element again, same as he was last uh, episode. That was cool that he kind of did a crucifix pin right there on the outside, like something you wouldn't think you, you know that you would see. I don't know if you just noticed that, but Doug Dillinger was just looking at him like shaking his head, like, fuck you guys, I'm not doing that. Oh god damn. Oh god. He sells it, you know, that he's selling the ribs. He's selling the ribs. They continue to they continue to put over, you know, his ribs. You know, Vader fucked up really good. What you thinking about it? Was wish- Vader even was Vader even on this show? I do. I don't think so. No. Um, I will say though, Sting could have grabbed the ribs there and helped sell them a little better. If yeah. you want to take something away from Sting, and they also kind of laid he, there. He, he kind of gives a bad, a bad um, pile driver, but they actually put over the reason why it was a bad pile driver was because he was selling the knee. Yep, they covered it. They covered for him there, so it may have looked like a botch, but then again, it they covered it. It makes sense. Which JR knows what Bill Watts wants because he's dealt with Bill Watts before this when he was the commentator for the Mid South and UWF. This is this is crazy to me that he's about to do this to himself on concrete. What's that still fucking hurt his knees? Like number eight, eight, nine if you count the pile driver (laughs) and (laughs) falling his ass on the ground. That knee, Sting. You can tell, man. Sting's giving it his all in this match, like. They're both being very giving. Cactus a little bit more so than than Sting, which, I mean, that's kind of his job out there is make Sting oh, like a million there, bucks. There's those chops Jeff Hall hates. Oh. There's a fall on the ramp, which can't be much better than the concrete. Um, Mick Foley tells a story real quick um, that Magnum TA was over talent at this time, and he was they were discussing like uh, contracts and stuff, and he said he was discussing his number and. Uh, he said, well, maybe you have the chance to make that in a couple of years, Mick. And he's like, uh, Magnum, you've seen the way I wrestle. I might not have a couple of years <laughs> left in me. So he got a, essentially got the money he wanted by saying, hey, I'm probably not going to be wrestling in a few years if we keep wrestling this way. Yeah, the, uh, he makes a good point. But what they just did right there was really cool. Uh, Sting was about to put Cactus in the Scorpion Deathlock and Cac- on the ramp, and Cactus just rolls right off it. It was really cool. I mean, Sting was lighting his ass up with that chair too. Hit him in the knee and everything. Yep. 
I, I, I dug that. It was a way to double find a way DDT. to get it out. Double arm DDT. Double, double arm DDT. The the right way to do a double arm DDT. Fuck you, John Moxley. Um, one, but two, two. Look, do you see how Alfonso's like not hitting the fucking ramp though? He's like, eh, eh. Like, yeah, he's not touching. You, he's, did, he's done something wrong here. He's timid. I'll tell oh, you something. Well, this, to, is, to, this is cool. The, here comes the finish. It, the crowd, dude, ate this match up from the the, the start to finish. Like it, it was amazing. Look at the great flying clothesline yep. from the top rope onto the ramp. One, two, three. Stinger wins. I, I still say you put the title on the line in this match. Yeah, I will say, like to me, when I'm thinking about when I watched this the first time, the finish kind of came out of nowhere to me. If you think about it, Sting doesn't really hit any of his signature moves. He never hits Stinger Splash. Uh, he goes for the Scorpion one time, but like it was, it was more of a brawl. So, and then Cactus is up, so it kind of helps save him a little bit too. That he kind of just got caught off guard with that clothesline. See, it's but, cool he's holding know, the title belt right here, but it would have meant so much more if they were like, "Oh, he retained the title." And we're getting replays here. Watch Bill Alfonso's Ooh. face. He even looked like he tried to grab Cactus there, like to help him. Their replays suck. They only show two moves after Cactus beat his body to hell in this match. For a 12-minute match. Was he, there, there wasn't a replay at all. <laughs> yeah. I will say for 12 minutes, he put his body through more probably punishment than anybody else does in a 12-minute match. Unless you're GCW and you're busting light tubes over your head. Man, and that is that match. Jesus, that match was great. It fucking flew through it, too. God, yeah, I mean, that's the thing about the match. It doesn't seem like it is 12 minutes because they never stop. There's no rest spots. There's no, you know, count to 10, get up thing. Like I said, like I said, the only knock I have against it is for it to be built as anywhere on the Gulf Coast. They didn't really go anywhere but the ringside oh, area. Be, but it was violent enough to, to keep your mind off of that aspect of it. Yeah. Yeah, for a long time, Mick Foley, we kind of talked about it, considered this match the best he's ever had. Um, and then I think it kind of goes from there to the match he has, matches he has with Vader, uh, to the matches he has with Sean, the match he has with Shawn Michaels at Mind Games, which that I believe both those matches are on our list as well. Yep. And the, the Mind Games match is another match, man, that just has a screwy finish, but it's, yep. it's, it's a damn good match. It, it makes sense because both guys, Mick was the new character. He's feuding with Taker. You can't make him look weak. Sean's your champion. He can't lose. Can't make him look weak. I get it. Um, but at the same time, a main event of a pay per view, you gotta, you gotta fucking go. Still blows my mind that this match is this low down in the card. I get that you know we're gonna get an Iron Man match against Steamboat and Rude later on, but still, uh, you could have, you, you could have, could have put that title on the line, made it the main event though, and it still would have sent the crowd home happy because Sting won regardless. Like that oh, doesn't yeah. to me doesn't make sense. Why not even put the title on the line? Because I don't know if it's a Bill Watts rule. It's got to be under a sanctioned rules or whatever. That could that, be. That, would... that could be. It. That that sounds like something Watts would have made a, a big fuss about. Fucking Bill Watts. I do feel like that we are seeing a new edge to Sting coming out of this yep. match, uh, which we do see later on. Um, like I was saying with Cactus Jack and Sean, that's pretty much the same reason he was put in there with Sean. And you got to think Jim Ross had a hand in that as well. Oh, yeah, because he, he saw what uh, Mick Foley, Cactus Jack did with the likes of Sting and Vader. And Sting needed that edge when you think about the feud he's going to have with Vader 
throughout 92, 93. Like that is the whole of WCW in 92 and WCW in this era. I mean, we talked about it with our buddy, Brandon, uh, that this is an era of WCW slept on and there's yes. a lot of good wrestling action and they have a great roster, but it's just bogged down by Bill Watts's, um, decision-making like people give that uh, shit, but Bill Watts had a great tech pool of talent and knew how to use them. Uh, they got run the Steiners group. off though. So yeah, you're right. Fuck itself on and, and and like Hogan said, he would never come if it was ran by Bill Watts. So just kind of a funny thing that Hogan has flat out said during interviews. Um, I, I, I think I said in our group chat was that 92, 93 WCW slept on. Uh, I remember when the WWE network became a thing, the first thing I watched was WCW in 93. I watched all the pay-per-views through 93 because love it or hate it, man, it was really good. And I do think if they would have had the production quality that they had in 96, 97, people would look back on this era of WCW in a whole different way. Because you got you to gotta look at it, man. Um, a lot of these WCW 92, 93 pay-per-views, the tapes are hard to find. Some of them aren't even on tape. Super Bowl three is not a VHS tape you, that you can buy. Uh, um, they had the Bulldog, and the Bulldog was on top of his game in this era for them. They had Rick Rude, who to me should have been WCW champion as well. I mean, he did a great job holding the U.S. title, but you just look at that talent pool they had, Dude, and it, like, like, like it, it's hard to debate it. Steamboat Rude, the Blondes. Uh, you had um, Arn Anderson. Dustin Rhodes. Dustin Rhodes. Flair comes back in '93. Uh, Bulldog, Sting, Sid, Vader, Cactus. Um, you have Ron Simmons there. You have uh, all these guys, man. The Steiner brothers, you know, were uh, were originally there in '92, um, and then you know, of course, Bill Watts. We just said Bill Watts kind of ran them off, but I mean, here's the fucking thing, like. They had the talent if they just didn't have the production quality to make it look like the product WWF was putting on. Yeah, because if you look at it on the other channel, you've got repo men and alligator hunters and tax men and Beverly brothers and natural disaster. Now, now, I mean, everything's now, so fair, gimmicky over there. To be fair, the match before this was Marcus Alexander Bagwell and Greg Valentine. So <laughs> there's that. But but the right man won. The right man won. Greg Valentine made it that bitch ass Buff Bagwell tap out. Hammer, rookie of the year, jammer. three years running, bitch. Three Hammer, years uh, running, bitch. Rookie you, of the you, year. you don't understand working. You don't understand working. The aftermath, really quick. Sting would go on to lose the WCW title to Vader a month later at Great American Bash, which is weird to think that the Bash, Great American Bash, is after Beach Blast because I've I've had it so custom in my head that. Great American Bash was like in June and then July they did Bash of the Beach. So it kind of threw me off mm -hmm. a little bit. Uh, Cactus Jack would soon transfer into a fan favorite uh, in the following months after engaging in feuds with Paul Orndorff, Harley Race, and then Big Van Vader. So from 92 into 93, he becomes a face. Uh, he has that huge feud with Vader. They do nothing with it. They squander it all away. And mm -hmm. he um, pretty much is about to retire and then goes to ECW uh, in Japan and uh, makes a name for himself. Make a name for yourself, kid. Says Frank. Make yourself famous. Guys, that was a fun episode. I, that was a really action-packed match. And that being the second time I watched it this week, uh, it's uh, it holds up. It is, it is pretty fucking good. Like, I would enjoy the shit out of that on any pay-per-view now. Hopefully, um, we did 
did it justice for a uh, good old uh, Scott. Um, uh, it's definitely a really good match. Something that if you want to see some early Mick Foley um, to see why he became the story became, this is a good match to show people. And it also shows that Sting can have an edge and he would carry that on. It also becomes the basis of their TNA feud later when Mick Foley goes to TNA. Like they yeah. talk about this match um, and their feud they had that kind of put Sting on the map is the way they played it out. So um, it's it's definitely a great match in both men's careers and a good point in WCW 92 to show that, hey, our world champion can be tough and not be just the flamboyant surfer that all the kids love. Yeah. I agree. Uh, I, I still say Bleach Blonde Sting um, greater than Crow Sting, which Crow Sting definitely outlasted the, the surfer gimmick. Um, surfer Sting was fucking cool. Uh, we grew up in that time period. Surfer Here's, Sting was fucking cool. Think of one thing. Think of uh, a young fat fuck Scott dyed blonde hair with Sting paint on. You know it fucking happened. <laughs> you know it fucking happened. He's the man called Sting. All right, guys, so we're going to go ahead and do our will of names, and it's going to randomize our next match that we're going to cover. Um, I think it's over like 160-something matches now. I added a ton of NXT matches um, that I wanted to cover on this, um, and let's get to it. Spin this bitch. Alicia Fox Molina. Alicia Spin Fox Molina. Make the deal. Spin the wheel. Make the deal. Make the deal. Spin the wheel. Make the deal. And it is... Oh, buddy, the mega powers are going to explode on the podcast. So we're getting thinking, Hulk Hogan thinking. thinking against the macho man, Randy Savage, for the WWF title from WrestleMania 5. Holy shit, just the promos alone, the build alone to this match is going to be fun to cover. The year-long build, the lusty rise, uh, Hogan. Um, he had lust is, in his eyes. He did. He, he did. He did. That 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 lower that touch on her lower back was definitely sexual. It was not friendly, very sexual. Um, but just the the build, man. Like you learned so much about it when we listened to Bruce Pritchard's talking about the mega powers and stuff. But the tag team, the jealousy, Hogan not being champion, uh, Macho Man losing his shit on Saturday night's main event and almost knocking Liz off the gurney and all this other stuff, man. Like. It's it's a fun ride to get to that point, and it's also probably one of Hulk Hogan's uh, golden era best matches because Randy Savage wasn't having a stinker at Mania. I'll tell no. you that right now. No, and I, I agree with that hundred percent. The build alone makes this match worth watching, um, but then especially when the mega powers officially explode, uh, I've already um, just in my head gone through all the promos and I'm going to add to this episode just because I'm already just kind of chomping at the bits about it. Uh, I know there's the a lust promo. In, yeah. The lust in your eyes. In your eyes promos is great. And it may like as a kid I, or as a kid, like a teenager watching it back, I didn't quite understand. I was like, Oh, whatever. Then the older you get, like this is some good fucking storytelling. Well, I think, I think something for 1989. Yep. You're right. 90. I, 89. Not 89. Yep. Yeah. Because 90 Warrior went to the six. Yeah. Uh, the thing that I've uh, noticed just thinking back, and we've talked about this, just, um, you know, going back and forth, watching little things. Like I know they do um, little, like, what is it? The like best of WWE, and they'll have like best mania matches, and Hogan and 
Macho were on there and just kind of talking about the promos. And if you kind of think about it, Hogan kind of comes off as the heel and Macho yeah. kind of comes off as the face because Hogan says, uh, I believe he says something along the lines of, I put my Hulkamaniacs on hold to do the mega powers and this is how you treat me kind of thing. And um, yeah, he had lust in his eyes. Well, well, I will say like when the WWE network was first started and they used to have their own programming, there used to be a show called WrestleMania Rewind. Mm-hmm. And this is one of the matches they covered. That may be um, what I'm they have a bunch of superstar. Yeah. A bunch of stars talk about it and everything like this. Um, it's matches. It's one of the, the big reasons that WrestleMania was a success in the late eighties. Cause they did it at Trump tower. Um, Two years in a row. Yep. Yeah. And that whole Randy Savage art from winning the belt to losing it to Hogan. Um, is is it just a masterful year of storytelling for the Macho Man? And going back on it now, man, I look at Macho Man as the face. You stole, you tried to steal that man's woman, and then you're after his title belt that you you tried to give to him because you were going off making movies and shit. Like the way you tried to play it off is, oh, I needed somebody I could trust to hold the belt. And then why the fuck were you in the tournament at WrestleMania four? I mean, it, there's a lot of story to this, and it's going to be great to look research it and watch some of these shows and pick up some nuggets of information to pass along to you guys. I, I, Macho's gear is top notch at this show as well, which always at big shows, Macho had the fucking gear that ruled. So um, I'm really excited about this. Uh, Travis, before we go, man, do you have anything big you want to talk about? Uh, man, just uh, find me on eBay at TGL, the man 12 selling some stuff. If you want to buy a uh, WrestleMania five, I'm pretty sure I got a copy of it up there. Uh, Mega powers explode. Um, also, um, we have another podcast uh, called Wrestling Ruined with our buddy Brandon. Um, Brandon A. Linnae from Canada A. Um, so we'll soon be covering a Monday Night Raw. And I get to do my favorite segment called Let's Get Extreme, where I talk about the shitty month that is ECW in uh, June of 95. So looking forward to that. And you know, passing on back over to you for some uh, NGW news. Yeah, guys, uh, in my spare time, I help book and promote wrestling shows. We actually have a wrestling show coming up this Sunday night, October 16th, in uh, our return to Newport, Tennessee. Uh, Johnny Curtis, Dirty Dango, Fondango, taking on NGW champion Matt Cross. Um, you know, Dalton Castle and the boys are going to be in action. Um, Speedball Mike Bailey, uh, former now former X-Division champion, uh, going to be in action against Facade. Uh, pretty pretty stout little card there. Um, I know we got uh, JTGs in the house um, taking on uh, Logan Easton LaRue for the NGW Eastern States Championship. Uh, Dylan McQueen and Sugar Dungerton. There's there's a, a, a pretty uh, pretty good amount. Ricky Morton even said great card today, so I take that as a compliment from Ricky Morton. But uh, definitely check will, us out. Go I'll ahead. also be in attendance with a little with a little merch table um, for myself. So guys want to buy some wares or just tell me how my opinions on wrestling suck i would be great to tell you that you're wrong and that uh i'm better than you so it'd be great, great to do that yeah, too definitely check us out on all social media platforms at nextgentn uh get tickets at nextgentn.net slash tickets uh also wrestling ruined you can find us on the project louder network um on all social media platforms um spotify you know itunes it's pretty much all over the place and on social media at wrestling ruined but until next time, guys, uh, until we bring the mega powers exploding, I am your host, Eddie, along with uh, Travis Lasseter. 
and we will see you guys next week.